The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. on Wall Street, and here is your top five at five. Get ready to growl the S&P 500 on the edge of a bear market. The stock's prepped to do something for the first time since 1932. Could be a wild day of trading, fuel to the volatility fire, nearly $2 trillion in options, Inspiring today. Jim Cramer not pulling any punches. Now he's calling on Jay Powell and the Fed to go big or go home. Clean up on aisle one. All the aisles. A one top-ranked retail analyst is calling the market uninvestable in the short term. Later, our exclusive insider buying report. Find out what execs are using this market weakness and their own money to snap up stocks right now. And this week, something happened that has never happened before. It is Friday, May 20th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching, TGIF. I am Brian Sullivan. Let's get right to it. And as we noted in the open, there are about $1.9 trillion worth of options expiring today, according to Goldman Sachs, and could add to the already high market volatility, but right now it's actually looking Pretty calm and a lot of green on your screen. Dow futures up 270. NASDAQ futures up the most on a percentage basis, up about 1.5%. All that, though, after what has been another rough week for probably most investors, the Dow is down nearly 3% on Monday and on pace for its longly weekly losing streak longest since May of 1932. That is when it fell eight weeks in a row. How's that for an RBI? The S&P and the NASDAQ, it's just as bad, although not as historically awful. Both are also down a little more than 3%, but only on pace for their longest weekly losing streak since March of 2001. I guess relatively that looks better. On a sector basis, eight of the 11 S&P sectors, they are down for the week with consumer staples, the worst, with a nearly 9% drop since Monday. Ouch. Energy has been the leader with a slim gain. Now, all this has happened is bonds have gotten bought, which when you buy bonds, you send yields lower. A 10-year yield right now is holding steady, but below 2.9% at 2.86. In the oil market, crude is slightly lower off yesterday's cash close, but continues to stay elevated overall. It is at $111 per barrel. All this, even with some reports that President Biden may be working with meeting towards Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman in June Nothing confirmed, and as I said on CNBC yesterday, my sources are skeptical a meeting would happen, but it is out there. By the way, if the meeting does happen, it could be a much-needed thaw in what are very cold relations between the U.S. and Saudi Arabia. And in crypto, we are seeing Bitcoin and Ether do something that they haven't done much this week, and that is go higher. In fact, all the major coins are up right now. Right around the world, a big rebound in Asia. China cutting a key lending rate to try to stimulate spending. That is helping their markets, Europe, and honestly, probably our stock futures as well. Juliana Tadelbaum is in our London newsroom with the global 
picture, Juliana. Yeah, Brian, good morning. That positive tone really seems to have been set in Asia overnight. Beijing unexpectedly cutting one of its key interest rates, one of the rates that most directly affects the housing market. So not necessarily a measure that's going to support the overall economy in China, but the housing market specifically. Nevertheless, we did see quite a strong positive reaction. The Shanghai Composite rallied about 1.6% overnight. The Hang Seng Index rose nearly 3%. And elsewhere in Asia, the Japanese and Australia Australian markets also performed quite well in that part of the world. Here in Europe, we're also um, seeing some strong gains this morning. We've got the FTSE 100 outperforming up about 1.7%. The gains have been building throughout the course of the morning. The DAX also seeing a strong bid this morning, up about 1.7%. The laggard is the Swiss market, more defensive, but still up about half a percent. And uh, from a sector perspective, we are seeing green uh, for every single sector except, except household goods. We're down about a third of a percent there. Richemont, the luxury name, uh, delivered some uh, concerning uh, comments for the market. China is really affecting their business. And so that stock is taking a plunge this morning. Outside of household goods, though, it is green across the board. Brian. Yeah, a little hard to go shopping when you're literally locked in your own apartment building because somebody's cat got COVID. Juliana Tadabam, thank you very much. <laughs> All right, let's get down to some of this morning's key headlines, including President Biden arriving in South Korea for a big trip in Asia. Bertha Coombs joining us now with more on that and what else is going on on this Friday. Bertha, good morning. Hey. Good Friday morning to you, Brian. President Biden arriving in South Korea just in the last hour, kicking off his six-day tour of Asia. The president set to tour a Samsung factory there in just a bit with uh, that country's president. That facility being used as a model for Samsung's new semiconductor facility being built in Taylor, Texas. President Biden will also use that visit to make the case for a bipartisan innovation act which will authorize a multi-billion dollar investment in the U.S. semiconductor industry. Staying in Asia, the People's Bank of China looking to shore up its nation's economy, cutting its benchmark rate, as Juliana just mentioned, on loans like mortgages by about 15 basis points, a much bigger move than most had expected. The central bank at the same time leaving the one-year rate unchanged as officials call for more urgency over China's economic slowdown tied to its zero COVID policy. And our Jim Cramer is calling on Fed Chairman Jay Powell to act big and act now when it comes to tamping down inflation. Here's Jim on Mad Money last night. He needs to act and act now with a much tougher stance. Powell is the freedom to go big. He could even do a 100 basis point hike, and he should because we need to break the back of inflation before it becomes too ingrained in the economy. After the superinflation-inspired earnings disasters we just got from Target and Walmart, everyone should understand the urgency of the situation. Kramer adding the, the longer the Fed entertains smaller rate hikes, the more likely the U.S. economy will see a crash landing and continued surging inflation. You know, Brian, wasn't as bad a message as with Bernanke when he was saying they know nothing. They know nothing back in 2008. So it's it's more of a gentle nudge this time, I think. Yeah, but, I, you know, listen, I would agree with Jim, not that it matters what I think. But, Bertha, when you were a kid, you know, did your parents, did they pull that Band-Aid off really slowly just and just kind of yeah. make the pain? Or do they rip it off? It hurts for a second. They give you a hug. 
and you figure it out. I mean, that's I mean, on a very basic level, I think that's what Jim's alluding to with the Federal yeah. Reserve. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we all learn more. that sometimes yeah. it, you just have to rip it off. It's kind of like the Red Sox season right now. It's like it's just going to go on oh, painfully. <laughs> Bertha, we'll see in a few minutes. Just end it now. Okay. I had sorry, my angels are good for once. We'll see in a few minutes. All right. Let's talk more about this and your markets and stay on inflation and how it is impacting really the market here because your first guess says inflation is the big reason that stocks have been dropping with the S&P 500 right on the edge of a bear market, which technically means 20% or more from its highs. Right now, it's just about 19%. Joining us now is Robert Teeter, Managing Director at Silvercrest Asset Management. There you go. And he joins us now. Robert, good morning. Would you agree with Jim? I mean, you think the Fed just needs to get, I mean, maybe not do it all, but don't raise a, you know 25 basis points, a half a percent at every meeting the rest of the year. What would you do if you were in charge of the Fed? Well, I think they're on a decent path right now. I think 50 at a time has sent a pretty clear message. You've seen the 10-year rise very quickly. You've seen financial conditions tighten pretty well. And they've made some pretty good guidance in terms of reducing the balance sheet. You, should, you, should, you could certainly go for that, that bigger shock factor, um, although I think that would just more shock the markets rather than shock inflation. So I think they have to keep after the game plan uh, and look for inflation to start to fade in coming months. By the way, I love your tie. I'm not sure if we emailed yesterday inadvertently without me remembering. We was, coordination uh, Friday. Anyway, Robert, <laughs> yeah, it's, it is coordination Friday, unlike the Fed, I guess. Robert, yeah. I, think, I think the point, though, is that, you know, and listen, I'll, I'm not going to knock my own network, but we talk about the Fed so much. Who said this? They said that. Tomorrow they say this, but yesterday they said that. And you just wonder, it's, it's this constant sort of source of not only like stra- almost market anxiety, because you know, did they waver? Are they, are they getting more dumb? Did they get more hot? What did Mester say? And I just wonder if it's not better to get things, take the pain now to sort of clean out the excess froth in this market. If, by the way, if we haven't done that already. Right. That's right. I think that's a good point. And then I, I think the question is, you know, whether that shock value treatment will work in terms of curing inflation. And I think part of the problem is that some of these inflationary problems are, of course, Fed and policy related, and some of them are not. And so whether they get solved quickly enough to take some of the burden off of investors remains an open question. I think my, my fear with inflation here and the reason I think investors are, are so challenged by it is that it has removed any policy flexibility from the Fed. And so until inflation goes away, whether they raise rates a lot or a little, they have no flexibility. And so every event that comes up is treated as a, an amplified risk rather than sort of a normal risk. And I think that's the scare we see going on here uh, with the slowdown in economic growth. Yeah, and, and either the market is predicting a massive slowdown ahead, it's wrong, or this is just a reaction to what has been a, and let's not lose historical context. The S&P 500 and NASDAQ, and they've doubled from the pandemic low, so it's been a heck of a good run. What are you telling your clients right now? I'm sure they're nervous, maybe a little bit afraid, probably ready to hit the sell button. What's your best piece of advice right now? So our best piece of advice is to extend your time horizon. So sentiment has become terrible. Almost every sentiment metric is at, at maximum negative. Valuations have come in a bit. Uh, they're now sitting around the 10-year average. So we think that that 
provides a, a little bit of a compelling backdrop for investors with a longer term time horizon. And you have to be patient against this constant slew of, as you say, every piece of news is very heavily scrutinized. And I think because you don't have the policy flexibility, each piece of news is treated in a very negative light in the current environment. So until we get inflation under control a little bit more, it will continue to be choppy. But when we look out to the other side, um, we think companies will still do a pretty good job posting earnings. Yeah, we're going to wait and see what happens. It's So far, it's been a brutal quarter, particularly for retailers. Robert Teeter of Silvercrest Asset Management, and no doubt, the best-dressed man on CNBC all day today. Robert, thank you. Thank you, Brian. All right, take care. If you're listening on the radio, folks, Robert and I basically have the exact same suit and tie combination on. All right, a lot to do on this busy Friday when we come back. There we go. We're not going to go to commercial break. We've got breaking news right now. A live look at President Biden in South Korea. He just landed a few moments ago, kicking off a six-day tour of Asia. He is greeting the president of South Korea. Later on, he's going to be touring a semiconductor manufacturing facility that's being used as a model for Samsung's new semiconductor business. A live look, President Biden in South Korea. Break here, stock futures, they are higher. We've got more on this market Friday right after this. Stick around. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome back. Inflation. Not only hitting the markets, but hitting your big money movers today, because we have four stocks to highlight this morning. Stock number one is Palo Alto Networks. It is surging right now, posting better than expected third quarter results and raising its annual guidance for the third straight quarter. Its billings rose 40 percent, CEO crediting broad-based demand for the company's products. Stock number two is Applied Materials, second quarter profit, revenue and third quarter outlook, missing forecasts. Now, AMAT CEO says demand for products has never been stronger, but the company remains constrained by supply chain issues. Stock number three, shoe company Deckers, fourth quarter results beating forecast to wrap up the company's first year with $3 billion in sales, by the way. Roughly two-thirds of those sales were Ugg boots. And Deckers expects growth to continue this fiscal year. No early trade on this one. And your bonus stock is VF Corp, the shoe and clothing company. Fourth quarter earnings and revenue coming up just shy of estimates. 
But they do expect revenue to climb at least 7% this year with low double-digit growth at North Face and mid-single-digit growth at the Vans brand. All right, still on deck here on WEX. Elon Musk back in the news and appearing to fire back at what he calls wild accusations of sexual harassment and misconduct. It's a breaking story on Elon Musk. We've got it next. Today's big number. 92%. That was the jump in insurance premiums for cyber coverage in 2021 over the prior year, according to the National Association of Insurance Commissioners. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. All right, welcome back. Let's get a check on some Dow winners this week. And yes, we said winners. Not every stock has been down. You've got Boeing, Verizon, Dow Inc., not the Dow. Merck and Caterpillar all higher on the downside. There are a lot more. Obviously, Walmart's getting crushed on Monday. Cisco Systems, Coca-Cola, P&G, and McDonald's. Many of the consumer-related names taking a huge hit this week. And let's stay right there. Because first it was Walmart on Monday, then it was Target. And now Ross Stores is being whacked. That stock is down more than 25% right now after posting first quarter results that fell short of analyst estimates. Company CEO Barbara Rentler says, quote, following a stronger than planned start early in the period, sales underperformed over the balance of the quarter. That move weighing on industry peers like TJ Maxx and Burlington as well. Joining us now to talk about this and retail in general is R5 Capital CEO Scott Mushkin. Scott, it's good to have you on. Listen, um, thanks, Brad. What the heck's going on? I mean, th- these companies are posting slight earnings misses. The guidance isn't great, but they're not saying we're never going to sell anything again or our business is going to fall by a quarter. And yet the market is just burning the whole thing down. I think that's it. I mean, clearly the market's forecasting a huge demand issue going forward. Um, you know, these guys are missing earnings. There's no doubt about it. But the moves we're seeing in names like Target and Walmart, I mean, to call it unprecedented probably doesn't even do it justice. Um, I've been doing this 30 years, never seen anything like it. Uh, and I lived through a lot of market downdrafts. But I mean, to see large companies like this moving 15, 20, 25 percent, I mean, this is just it's crazy. And so, I mean, I've talked to a lot of CEOs, which is both a retail, it's a research firm and a consulting firm. So both private and public companies. And there is 
fear out there about consumer demand as we get through the summer. Yeah. Now, listen, I'm going to bring up a Twitter poll here, Scott. And this is, listen, obviously, it's just my poll. It's my followers. Take it or leave it, whatever. But I thought it was sort of telling for this segment. Uh, I basically asked this. Have you or are you going to cut back effectively on a trip or some big purchase that you had planned? 60% of people said yes. Nearly 20% of people said no, but I'm wavering. So you look at like 75 or whatever plus percent of people either have or are thinking about it. Again, just one poll. Who cares about that? But if that's accurate, maybe that's what sort of the market is reflecting. What's going to happen in, in October? Not now. Oh, absolutely. We know the market projects forward. Um, and I think that's really interesting. We've been talking a lot about the lower to lower middle. Um, if you look at the basic necessities of life, the utilities, food at home, rent, I mean, the government's showing those things up kind of low double digits. We put them up, you know, closer to 20%. I mean, that's 35, 40% of people spending, you know, if you're under 52,000. So the low end already was challenging, to say the least, given what's going on with inflation. Now we have the anti-wealth effect. Um, so it's not surprising that consumers are a little bit nervous. Anyone looked at their 401k lately? It's got to be a little bit nervous. Um, yeah, I was actually yeah. just at the airport. Obviously, I travel a lot, um, doing a lot of field research. I mean, there was a line to get into the Sky Club at LaGuardia. Um, he had to take a ticket. So not all spending is falling off a cliff, but I do think there's just, again, as I said, a lot, a lot of nervousness. You can't stress it enough. These CEOs are really nervous. Yeah, and, and that's, I think, what's so confusing to our audience because they see what they see with their own eyes. The airport, mm -hmm. the mall, local restaurants with two-hour waits. And they're thinking, what the heck is the market saying? Everything I'm looking at, home, home sales are wavering, but they're still pretty good. Car sales, they're still pretty strong. It's the fear of what's going to happen. My wife works in consumer products, and all we talk about around the dinner table is how you know retailers may not be willing to take price increases. And I think <clears throat> sales may be strong. But talk to us about margins, Scott, how much money they're going to make, not just how much they sell. Yeah, I mean, this is Target. You know, what you're nailing right now is Target. Target sales were fine. Uh, they even said they thought the consumer was fine. The margins are an absolute disaster. Number one, they have the wrong stuff. Um, yeah, you know, they, they were heavy, like, you know, they're heavy TVs. And, you know, the, the TV sales were, were, were weak. But on top of that, you know, you're seeing diesel. I mean, this is not anything that people don't know. But diesel, you know, prices escalate. The cost of labor escalating. Um, so it's really tripping up margins. They simply just can't raise price fast enough to recoup the costs that are going yeah. up. Um, you know, the, the question, yeah. I, and I think Quickly, you Scott, up, let me oh, jump in. Sure, just let ahead. me jump in. I apologize because we're running out of time on this Friday. My bad. Uh, is there one stock you think is on sale? I mean, one thing I've learned in, in doing this is you never bet against the mm -hmm. American consumer. They generally yeah, surprise no. to the upside. Any name yeah, that is unfairly sold off right now. Yeah, our favorite name is Tractor Supply. Uh, companies going through a transformation. Wow. The life, lifestyle out there has come down a lot um, with with the market coming down. So number one pick would be five below. I'm sorry, uh, tractor supply. We do like five below as well, too. Five below is more like four and a half below at this point. But tractor supply, <laughs> we like it. A name out of, out of, maybe taking advantage of high, com high commodity costs. Scott Mushkin of R5. Appreciate it. Safe travels, by the way, to you, Scott. We'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks Brad. All right, now let's get a check on some of this morning's other top headlines outside of the world of business and the markets. NBC's Francis Rivera in New York with that. Good morning, Francis.
Brian, good morning to you. Yeah, Russia's war in Ukraine is entering its 86th day, and after a week-long delay, the Senate approved another $40 billion in military, economic, and humanitarian aid for Ukraine. And President Biden met with the leaders of Sweden and Finland at the White House a day after the country submitted their NATO membership applications. He voiced his strong support for the move. The move breaks their long-held neutral stances in Europe. The suspect in the supermarket shooting in Buffalo appeared in court yesterday. The prosecutor announcing a grand jury handed up a first-degree murder indictment covering all 10 victims. It was the first time family members came face-to-face with a suspect with someone in court yelling to him, you're a coward. On the links, Rory McIlroy played like a champion in the first round of the PGA Championship. McIlroy is the clubhouse leader after the first round, shooting a five under par, including this drive on hole five that traveled nearly 400 yards. Tiger Woods had a tougher round, shooting a four over 74, and sitting tied for 99th, he tees off with a round two just after 2.30 p.m. Eastern. So a lot of us are going to have those, uh, you know, Early Fridays, start of summer Fridays, to have it off to watch to watch Tiger on the course, Brian. Francis, Francis, on our schedule, our weekend starts at what, like nine a.m., ten a.m. on Fridays. I mean, why not? Why not? Uh, Even if it doesn't, I'm sure we'll we'll make the excuse. When you're waking up at two or three o'clock in the morning, the weekend begins at noon. Francis Rivera, have a great weekend. You too. (laughs) Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. All right, take care. All right, halfway down, halfway to go on this Friday, where stock futures, they are higher across the board, trying to put a little bright spot on what has been a tough week for most investors. And as we head to break, during May, we are celebrating Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Here is Squawk Box producer, Dean Millar. My parents taught me at an early age the value of education and hard work. Being the only Asian kid in the room in most of my classes, I didn't have much of a choice but strive to be the best that I can be. Working alongside my parents at their restaurant really inspired me and motivated me to be my best. And those are the values that have always stuck with me throughout my education and my professional career, and I hope to pass that down to my daughter someday. Call it a Taylor Swift market with stocks trying to shake it off, shaking off what has been a shaky week. Futures higher for now as China works to stimulate its economy. New overnight, Elon Musk appearing to slam a new report laying out accusations of sexual misconduct. More details ahead. And your exclusive look at the biggest insider buys of the week, including two buys with more than 20 million bucks each. That has never happened before. Names ahead on this Friday, May 20th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. All right, welcome or welcome back, everybody, and good Friday morning. It's just about 5.30 on a Friday. Let's get right now to it. Futures are looking about as good as the weather, and it should be good. In fact, it could be in actually the mid-90s in New Jersey this weekend, so be sure to hydrate if you're out there. Either way, we are seeing Dow futures up about 300 points. NASDAQ futures up about 1.5%. So some green on your screen today, but it is very early. All this coming, of course, after what has been another rough week, probably for most of your investments. The Dow is down nearly 3% since Monday. It is on pace for its longest weekly losing streak since, get this, May of 1932. That is when it fell eight weeks in a row. And as we noted earlier, there are nearly $2 trillion worth of options expiring today. So while futures look pretty good and things are pretty calm right now, this is Wall Street. You never know what can happen as the day rolls on and some of those options roll over. 
On a sector basis, eight of the 11 major sectors are down for the week and consumer staples, no surprise here, the worst with a nearly 9% drop since Monday. Of course, Walmart, Target and others just taking that whole group down. Energy, the leader with a slim gain. And as that has happened with stocks, bonds have gotten bought. And when you buy stocks, yields go down. A 10-year yield is still under 2.9% at 2.86. In the oil market, crude is slightly lower off its close yesterday. But let's be clear, it is still high overall at 111 per barrel as national gas prices average $4.52. All right, we'll get more of the markets in a minute. But let's get some of your morning top corporate stories. Bertha Coombs is back with more on those. Bertha. Brian, Elon Musk is uh, denying what he calls wild accusations following a Business Insider report that states Musk's SpaceX paid $250,000 in severance in 2008 to a flight attendant who accused him of sexual misconduct. Now, CNBC has reached out to SpaceX for comment on that report. In addition to the tweet over the wild accusations, Musk also tweeting without context, the attacks against me should be viewed through a political lens. This is their standard despicable playbook, he says, but nothing will deter me from fighting for a good future and your right to free speech. Musk also said the alleged incident referred to by Business Insider, quote, never happened. Turning to COVID, the CDC has signed off on Pfizer's booster shot for kids ages 5 to 11. The agency's panel recommending the group get the third shot at least five months after getting their initial vaccines. But this comes after the fact that only 29% of kids eligible at this point between 5 and 11 are actually fully vaccinated. And Canada announcing plans to ban technology from China's Huawei and ZTE from its 5G network. Canada's major wireless companies had already started working with other providers ahead of that announcement Thursday. China has condemned the move, calling it a form of political manipulation. Brian, Canada becomes the latest member of the Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance to uh, ban or restrict the use of Huawei's technology in 5G networks. That follows similar moves by the U.S., U.K., Australia and New Zealand. I thought Canada had already sort of gone in on this, but I guess better yeah, late than never. Me, me too. It's been going on. Yeah, it's been going on for a couple of years. Kind of surprising me as well. Bertha, thank you very much. All right. On this show, or if you follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn, you'll notice that we talk a lot about something called market structure, basically the mechanics of the market, how things like stocks and options and ETFs are kind of all tied together and how that can move stocks and markets in ways that may not always make sense just from the headlines. And today there is nearly $2 trillion worth of value in options expiring. Very few people understand all this better than Tim Quast, founder and president of Modern IR. He talks a lot about this on the Twitter as well. And maybe our first mountain time guest of the week, Tim. I don't know if you're still up or got up, but either way, we appreciate it. Talk to us at a very layman's terms because it does get confusing, especially at this hour, how all this is sort of tied together and why we tend to get these outsized moves, particularly to the downside. And it's good, good to see you. And thank you for uh, your singular focus on market structure. You know, we, we, the people, geeks like me, who spend a lot of time in the uh, 
quantitative data around market structure really appreciate it. So the, 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 uh, here's how we describe this to public companies and investors, that around options expirations, which don't occur on one day, they stretch from well, this week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, new options trade Monday, books get squared Tuesday. So there's a, a five-day period where we tell uh, investors and public companies, look, it's like a black hole. You have no idea what's on the other side of what may be tied to your equity. And so, number one, it's a bad time to report results. We tell public companies, why do that? It's like trying to give a speech over a leaf blower. The things that will be far more impactful than your story are being reset, recalibrated, bet on during these periods of time. And you will see moves that are are extraordinary or can be that are not tied to rational factors. And then what happens is everybody roots around to try to figure out what in the information that a company reported like Target or Walmart or Cisco explains a, a dramatic decline in shareholder value. And it's not that. To me, the principle, the, the, the principal element that causes this today are exchange traded funds and pre-market after hours trading where only a small part of the audience can trade. I, I'm against it. I can't fix it. But the, the fact that big blocks of ETF shares can be created and redeemed off market by a handful of participants before the rest can participate is a key contributor. So here's what could happen. Yeah. Morgan, this is the key. So say Morgan Stanley is an authorized participant for an ETF complex like BlackRock. And before the market opens, everybody wants out. Hedge funds want out of Target and a basket of consumer staple stocks. And so Morgan Stanley will go around, maybe even borrow a bunch of BlackRock ETF shares and return them to BlackRock and receive in the basket in exchange an equal value of shares, probably heavily weighted to Walmart and Target. Then, because that is not a customer transaction, you can't front run a customer's order, but this is Morgan Stanley operating on its own as an authorized participant can turn around and buy puts on that whole basket and short the futures, which are expiring. And then all of that volume gets dumped at the open of the market and the and the, the stocks get crushed. And it has nothing yeah. to do with rational thought. It is all about market structure. Well, I appreciate the compliment, by the way, as a market geek myself, you kind of just described what is often the frustrating part of our job, which is trying to find a headline. We can't come on the air and say, well, I don't know, but I'll look at the options desk or talk to my options guys and say, what's the gamma on this trade? Because I'll try to understand how big the swing might be. I'm going to dinner tonight, Tim, and let's say there's a restaurant that might go out tonight for dinner and they have 10 of the nightly specials on offer and there's there's 10 people in the restaurant. It should be fine. But there's 30 people from outside online who are going after it, maybe artificially, the same special. Is that kind of what's yeah. happening with ETFs where it expands this access, maybe not artificially, to the same product? So you've got this huge swing, particularly on the downside, because it's, it's all these extra people sort of coming into the restaurant at the same time. It, yes. The short answer is yes. And I can add some color to that. So uh, I'm well acquainted with some of the larger hedge funds and they tell me what they do. And uh, two of the biggest told me that they make two thirds of their returns on leveraged derivatives bets around earnings. So I might buy no matter what. I just decide that the bet is going to be short on target. 
And so then I'm going to borrow eight to nine times the money uh, that my options bet is and just overwhelm the supply side of the market. The stock market is like any market. It's got supply and demand, which are very measurable, by the way. We could see that there was no demand in in Target ahead of reports, and its short volume jumped to 62% of its trading volume. So there are two factors that contribute. Exactly the same points you made with your restaurant reservations analogy, that there are things you can't see where there's a great deal more supply than demand, and it could be the reverse when things rise. And then the compounding. Why is that, Tim, why is that allowed? Why is that allowed? I mean, I'm all for free markets. But you, you have these you. outsized yep. multi-leveraged bets. You're getting retail investors getting their faces ripped off because yep. there's some giant leveraged options bet they've never even heard of. Well, and there are three words that tell you why. And it's, it's from the SEC. The SEC decided that the purpose of the equity market is three words, a conti- continuous auction market. Now, some of these things that begin before market hours then have to filter through the system. And here's what I mean by this. So the SEC decreed under regulation national market system that there will always be 100 shares of everything at the bid and the offer. Well, it's impossible. So market makers said to the SEC, we can't fulfill that obligation unless you exempt us from regulation SHO rule 203B2. Very jargon, weedy term. But what it means, that is the short locate rule. So market makers do not have to locate stock. They just manufacture it and they will go on. They'll do that in whatever direction the market is moving. That is how targets volume jumped from 42 percent short before they reported to 62 percent short in a day. Mm. Market makers will see the imbalance and feed it. If I want to short a stock, they'll manufacture stock to make it available to do that. And that is the problem. It is a flaw in market structure, but everybody should be aware of it. The beginning point for succeeding in markets that have complexity is a baseline understanding of how they work. Well, listen, we got to go, Tim, but I think this has been a a very enlightening interview for a lot of people, myself included. We're going to post it all over the place. I think people have to, when they invest, you know, you got to understand these things are going on, and that's why we have right. things like Target falling 25% in a day on results that weren't great, but they weren't the end of the world. Tim Quast, a modern IR, laying it all out. Tim, we appreciate it, buddy. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, coming up. All right, you're welcome. Your exclusive weekly look at the biggest insider buys, the C-suite leaders using the market's weakness to snatch up their own company shares, including two this week that were over 20 million bucks each and then ally invest lindsey bell will join us we're not done yet futures are higher we're back after this all right welcome back futures they are higher on this friday and believe it or not as tough as the week has been there have been some winners a lot of the chinese-based companies doing well the china china's markets cutting their overnight lending rate by the way trying to stimulate the economy that helped a number of these names like Pinduo, Duo, and Baidu as well. They throw Lucid, the EV maker, in there. On the laggard side, obviously a lot more stocks down than up. Uh, some of the worst ones, Ross Stores. That includes today, by the way. Ross is down 25% right now. Dollar Tree, Costco. It has been a retail washout all week long. It is time now for your weekly exclusive insider buying segment where we highlight the top five stocks being bought the most by their C-suite level execs with their own money. This week, we've got some big time numbers. Looks like some insiders have used all this market weakness to load up on stocks. And as always, 
The data comes with our thanks to Verity Data. And like we always do at this time, I go for mine, and we're counting you down five to one. All right, here we go. The fifth most insider buying this week, Morgan Stanley, a board member buying $1.9 million worth of the big bank. Number four, Liberty Latin America, ticker Lilac with a K. The legendary media mogul John Malone buying $4.6 million worth. He owns 10% of the company. Now, he sold some of the stock last year, and now he's buying it back, albeit at a lower price. Maybe one of the reasons he is one of the world's richest people. Number three, and the numbers are starting to get big, Starbucks. Founder and now returning CEO Howard Schultz stepping up with a $14.9 million buy. Verity notes that's his first insider buy in about four years. Starbucks down 23% in just three months as coffee prices surge and their labor woes increase. That would normally be our biggest buy of the week by far, but not this week, because we have an insider buying first for you. The top two stocks are both more than $20 million buys by just one C-suite exec. We've never seen that before. Here we go. Number two, Dish Network, a $24.3 million buy by an executive VP who's been at the company for 20 years and is not sold in seven years. But the most insider buying this week is a new name, and honestly, a company I've never heard of. It is American Homes for Rent, ticker AMH. It's a Calabasas-based, California-based buyer of single-family homes who buys them fixes them up, and rents them out. A board member buying $27.6 million of AMH. Verity notes it's her 13th insider buy, and she has never sold. That stock has actually held up better than most on this list. It's only down 2% over the past year. So there you go. The names this week, Morgan Stanley, Liberty Ladam, Starbucks, Dish, and American Homes for, the number four, rent. More than $70 million spent on just five stocks, names to watch. And a reminder, we do this almost every Friday, except during earnings season when there's kind of a blackout period. You'll only see it here on WEX or on CNBC Pro. If you haven't, sign up for CNBC Pro today. All right, on deck, could stocks actually go higher today? Futures are up, but Ally Invest Lindsay Bell is up next with why the worst may not just yet be over. Stick around. All right, welcome back. Let's take a look at how we're going to close out what has been a tremendously busy week. Here we go. We're going to get earnings from John Deere and Foot Locker before the bell. Boeing Starliner space capsule due to connect with the International Space Station after taking off from Cape Canaveral on Thursday. That's very cool. Admission is a critical one for Boeing following a series of delays as it looks to prove the Starliner is eventually able to carry people to space. All right, back down to the markets. I'm prepared to close out yet another rocky trading week. Volatility continues to be the name of the game for investors. Lindsey Bell is chief markets and money strategist at Ally Invest, a CNBC contributor as well. Lindsey, great to have you on. You know, for a few years there, we almost never had 2% daily moves in stocks. In fact, I think we broke some records for like boredom or lack of volatility. But as we talked about in the previous segment with Tim in the past two weeks, and you've noted this, Nearly half our trading days have seen moves of 2% or more. What the heck is going on? Yeah, and the month of May hasn't been pretty either. So it's been a rocky ride for investors, really nerve-wracking for sure. It's something, like you said, we haven't seen in a while. That said, this year volatility has obviously ticked up. 
But I think it really is a reflection of investors trying, really grappling to figure out the direction of the market here. There's a lot of uncertainty here. There's a lot of question marks about where growth goes from here. Are we going to see a massive slowdown that's led by the Fed? Or can we stabilize after a period of, of, of slowing down from really high record rates of growth uh, going forward? And so I think the jury is still out and really trying to figure out what the Fed's going to do. Lindsay, what's the Fed going to do? I mean, Jim Cramer last night saying they just go big, get 1%, 100 basis points, do it, rip the Band-Aid off, get it out of the way. Do you agree or do we have this Fed drag all year, parsing every word from every Fed speaker every day? That sounds like a really fun way to spend the rest of our year, Brian, for sure. But um, Sorry. I'm in the camp that... <laughs> I'm in the camp that the Fed, look, they're using forward guidance and they're using their rhetoric. We saw that this week to be very hawkish, really show their their commitment to raising interest rates in a fast and furious way to to tamp down inflation. They're really committed to to lowering prices here. Now, the question is, will they be able to move as fast as they're, they're talking? Will the talk be enough to really dampen demand and do the job for them ahead of actually raising rates? Because the fact of the matter is, is they don't have a lot of tools in their chest to to really help the economy if we are going into a recession or a massive slowdown. Interest rates right now are still very low and moving very quickly is going to uh, going to slow down the economy much quicker than anyone really would like to see. And then it would put them in a more difficult position because they wouldn't have a lot, a lot of ammo to work with if we are in in that recessionary environment. It's a tough place to be in, Brian. Yeah, what do we do, I guess, is. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry to be sort of this, uh, I feel like the grim reaper lately talking about it, and that it's not a fun way to spend the summer. It'd be fun if stocks went up a little bit and we could kind of take a step back and, and breathe. Uh, you wonder how much of these declines, Lindsay, because we all know the markets are moving faster than ever. Like we talked about with Tim Quast, I mean, things are happening in a period of days or weeks that used to take months. Um, even if we get a recession next year, when would the market theoretically be done pricing that in? Because it's going to move now. Not later. Right. Uh, The market is always anticipatory of uh, things like a recession or slowing growth rates. And and I think that's that's what you're you're seeing right now as we're trying to figure out if we're entering into that environment. So I think for investors, I think the first thing you have to do is, you know, accept that we're going to be in this volatile environment until we have more clarity on where the future takes us. And we haven't been in this type of uh, situation where we can't see into the future or have some sort of clue into where we might be headed uh, in a very long time. So, so that's why you're seeing massive moves in the market. Investors are clinging on to any little data point that they get this morning. It's the China news uh, cutting rates on their their uh, prime loan rate, and and so I think yeah. we're gonna you're gonna consider, continue to see that jumpiness on various data points. And so the best way to deal with that is really to have a diversified portfolio, have your defensive exposure, have some exposure to dividends, uh, high-paying, high-quality names. But at the same time, we're already down nearly 20% in the S&P 500. You can consider picking at some of those names that have fallen even more than that at this point in time that still remain of high quality and good cash flow. So that's, that's the recommendation I'd make to investors. Yeah, and it's good advice, comforting advice. We could use it on a Friday. And by the way, I think you're spot on with that China news. I think that China rate cut 
is probably the reason we are seeing futures higher this morning. The world needs somebody to stimulate. Everybody else is contracting. Lindsay Bell of Ally Invest. Thanks for getting up early, Lindsay. Have a great day and a good weekend. We'll see you soon. Thank you. And folks, thank you for watching Worldwide Exchange all week. Really appreciate your time. Have a great day and a great weekend wherever you may be. We'll see you on Monday morning. Squawk Box is next. Take care. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.